the wins and the losses. What did I learn through that chosen channel? Maybe you lost every game, mm -hmm. but did it teach you something about yourself, which ultimately set you on a different course, which gave you some skills that you otherwise would not have developed? Think about the state of the world the last three years. Nothing is certain. You might have had a great career. You might have had a good business and all of a sudden the world happens. Yikes. People tend to overlook the fact that it takes time to build this stuff. And just because it, it might have shifted dramatically quickly in one way doesn't mean it can't dramatically also shift back. Right. But the truth is everyone struggles with this stuff. But when we ignore that part of the conversation, we leave those people to feel like, no, it's just you. You're the only person that suffers that. And then it, it creates this very negative, uh, just downward spiral. Ask for help. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Especially when, when you're stuck. Getting it outside of yourself, having those outside eyes on your problems, man, so much better. If you can kill anxiety in your partner, that's the most valuable thing you can do for them. Three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of the No Half Cakes podcast. Today I have with me a guest who is a very dear friend of mine, someone who I have seen go through so many iterations of himself. It is unbelievable. This is a man that I have seen relentlessly, and when I say relentlessly, I mean relentlessly, kill his current self to create a new version of him, like time and time and time again. And I have yep. seen this man evolve repeatedly, more than I have almost seen anyone uh, evolve ever. Um, someone I take a lot of inspiration from with the willingness to learn and to burn it all down to build it back better. Um, someone who I've seen try a lot of things, fail a lot of times, and continue to succeed because he never gives up and he keeps rebuilding back better. So with that, I am honored to share my dear friend, Stephen Black. Stephen, welcome. Jim, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the the warm intro there. It's definitely the truth. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm not making it up <laughs> when I say I am inspired by the amount of times I have seen you just fail your way forward, man. Is that is that something that's always been the case for you, or like where did it's, that drive? It's from always from? it's always kind of been the case for me. Um, I was I was that that kid in school that I had a mind that would just do six things at once uh, to the point that even my teachers in school would tell me openly and they would tell my parents like, look, we don't know what to do with him. It wasn't that I was hyper and like just jumping all over the place, but it's that when I wanted to do something, when I was interested in something, it wasn't, can I do this? It's how far can I take that? And when we get into something that we're really interested in, maybe we want to make a career, we want to, we want to, you know, to do something online, we're trying to find that something that really kind of grabs us and if it's, it, it see if it's something that we can really make something of ourselves. And if, if you take everything you've already done, those are all the lessons you already have. That's how you always approach new situations and new projects. But oftentimes you'll find that to accomplish the goal, to get the project done, to ascend to that next level or try the bigger thing or jump into the bigger, you know, scarier room of, of, of overachievers. Yeah, you have a toolbox, but you don't have all the right tools in that toolbox. And I learned early that, you know, sometimes, okay, you've, everything you've done, you've gotten to this level. And well, if you want to go up, 
oftentimes the price is who we are because we build a life around the things that we do. We are made of our actions. So, yeah, I've tried a bunch of different things. I've, I've had a bunch of different identities as, as what people knew me as. And, um, you know, every time I level up, I try to say, okay, instead of just the wins and the losses, what did I learn through that chosen channel? It's kind of like uh, my son right now. He's, he's a teenager playing basketball, and he's, he's, you know, pretty good. He's on 10th grade playing, you know, both varsity and junior varsity. But I, and he gets frustrated because that's how we were when we are that age. But I made sure I told him, I was like, look, where you are right now, this is the channel you've chosen to develop yourself by. This is the hammer and chisel that you're developing yourself through and how you're going to find new challenges. The goal here is not your win and loss record. It's am I tracking and, and, and really taking in what I learn about myself through that adversity? Because what happens is that's my anti-complacency thing. I get fidgety. I'm like, okay, I did this. I did this. Okay, what else can I do? How far can I take it? You know, um, like a master carpenter, they're really great with all their woodworking stuff and hammers and saws. Okay, you're comfortable building what people buy from you. Where else can you take it with those tools? And you have to be unafraid to say, I have no idea. I have to explore. I have to go out. And if it doesn't work, okay, it doesn't work. Not everybody makes a masterpiece every time. In fact, I've never seen anybody do that. And a lot of people just want to show their highlights. I just, I don't care. Highlights, failures, it's all highlights to me. Because if, you, if, you're, unaf if you're too afraid to try and say, wow, wasted a lot of money there, wasted a lot of months, a lot of years. Whoa, it was a bad relationship. But what did you learn that's helping you move forward to get to where you want to be? And oftentimes you don't know until you look back and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I went through that because now I'm equipped to handle this other wonderful thing that I've gotten into. And I've had many, many things like that. Um, and there's a simple little phrase that, that gets me through all of the failures. Anytime something, I mean, terrible happens, like random car accident where you almost die. Had that happen in 2021, yep. Uh, losing, losing a relationship, getting divorced, something like that. Uh, you know, something happening to one of your best friends. You say, okay, okay, how, how can I view from the lens that this is the best thing that's ever happened to me? What am I learning here? What am I learning about how I handle it? And that way, if you, know, you want to ascend the ladder, because we're both digital marketers, if you want to ascend the ladder in your career, well, you're going to come up against some pretty big trials. And the further you go, oftentimes you fail and have to reinvent because nobody's done what you're trying to do before. You're kind of making it up as you go, and that requires a lot of failure when there's no real roadmap. Or the way that you need to do it, finding your own way to accomplish what everybody else has already done. So that's kind of where it all comes from. How is this the best thing that's ever happened to me? I've had, I've had businesses completely fail. I mean, gone way, way into debt. I had a car repossessed. Yeah, yeah, total failure. And you go, okay, okay, let me, let me just put it all on paper and reprioritize and let's figure it out. Here we go. Because I don't want to be defined by the world. I want to be defined by me. It's like, okay, 
this is what I am. This feels good. This is what I'm, I'm happy waking up to. I'm going to do that. And if something bigger comes along, if, if I'm not equipped to swim in, in that, that nastier part of the ocean, okay, go back to the training pool. Yikes. Okay. That's, so that's the long-winded version of how all of that works. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of <clears throat> awesome points I want to touch on in that. Um, the first thing that comes to mind really is, is defining your wins and losses. Because, like, you know, you're talking about your son. I think it's really common and, and the popular definition there would be, hey, what's your record for the season? Did you win the game or lose the game? How many games did you win or lose? That's, that's how you define your success. Right. Uh, and when I think you zoom out and look at the bigger picture, like the overall story arc, mm-hmm. and see, hey, did you grow? Right. Maybe you lost every game. Mm-hmm. But did it teach you something about yourself, which ultimately set you on a different course, which right. gave you some skills that you otherwise would not have developed? That's Bingo. a win. Right. Bingo. So here's an example from that yeah, with him, actually. It. He was 14 and played up to a 16 year old uh, JV team, but didn't get much floor time. He sat a lot of the uh, sat a lot of the season. He didn't get a lot of minutes because he just wasn't equipped to compete at that level. OK, but he did play and he was he was their best defensive guy. He got the most rebounds and blocks and all this kind of thing. So when the next season came around for tryouts, he got cut. He was devastated because he thought he'd like, this is my thing. I found a home, all this kind of thing. And instead of just wallowing about it, I taught him. So, okay, this is what we're going to do about it. Do you want to do this? Yeah. Okay. Then you have to be defined by your action and let this just be a catapult forward. Say, okay, if I don't fit there, what am I going to do about it? So every single day for over a year, and he has not missed, even on vacation, he has a routine where he does dribbling practice, he does floor movement practice, he does uh, uh, different shots, and he keeps his stats so he knows exactly what's going on, thousands and thousands and thousands of repetitions. And that's how, when we got on his new team this last year, okay, now he's a 15-year-old playing varsity. That's quite the transformation, and he still does not stop because he says, okay, okay, and we had, we had to talk about it this last week. They took a tough loss this last week. And he's like, I could have played better. I could have done this. I'm like, yeah, it's easy to say that. But are you defined by the world around you or are you defined by the work you do? Congratulations. You were in a room where there's still room to grow. Now, how are we going to grow into those shoes? And if you want to keep, you know, keep going up in the leagues, you're going to have to continually re-equip. A lot of people don't realize Kobe Bryant the superstar, the legend, when he got into the league, first three seasons, you know what he did? Bench. He sat. He didn't do anything. He's, he, there's interviews where he's very upset about it, but he's Kobe Bryant. You're like, why would you bench Kobe Bryant? He was drafted out of high school, this big superstar. Nope, he was benched. And he had a lot of work to do. And he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked. And that's really what he's known for more than the championships. He's known for his work ethic. There's pictures of him with a broken right wrist, doing free throws with his off hand in his pajamas. That kind of, this is what I'm going to be defined by, not by what happened to me. 100%. So, there you go. Yeah, look, (laughs) I honestly feel like I could end the the podcast right there and and people would have enough meat to go and just conquer. Like that, that's it right there. It's it's not, um, you know, you look at someone like Kobe, right? Right. If, if Kobe was considered one of the all-time greats, mm-hmm. at least in, in the conversation for the top five, right, hands yeah. down, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the guy relentlessly worked. Yep. And 
it wasn't the amount of championships. You're right. It, it was the work ethic. And mm-hmm. when you look at, hey, he was a, a high school superstar. Now he elevated into a new room mm-hmm. where what you did in high school was awesome. But now you're in a different competition. Right. Yep. And I think people lose sight of that, too. Like, you know, where do you want to define your wins and losses? It's always going to keep growing. And if you right. get to a spot where you keep winning, it's time to change the conversation. Right. If you're consistently hitting your standards, it's time to elevate your standards. Right. Like, I, I think people lose sight of that, too, and, and just think, all right, cool, I'm hitting my standards. I'm doing so great. Pat myself on the back. I'm amazing. Yeah. No, you need to fail. Right. You need to, to constantly push yourself to a spot where you are failing frequently. I have an interesting insight on that. Sure. And um, here's there's two things here. Number one, back to Kobe for a second. We, you mentioned earlier about how I've reinvented myself so many times. And yeah, that's true. Um, and we'll talk about that later. But most people know Kobe for basketball. Did you also know that while all of his, while he was traveling around doing basketball, he was studying writing in the back of the plane, in the back of the, the, the bus, in his hotel rooms. Everybody else was doing their thing. He was studying writing. Did you know he won an Oscar for something he wrote? I did not. What? Kobe Bryant? Yeah, he won an Oscar for, for a piece of screenwriting that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Because it was amazing. Because he studied his butt off, said, okay, after basketball, I know what I'm going to go do. And that's what he did. Because he said, okay, I've, I've done so much with this. Now I'm interested in this other thing. i got to start at the base again. But he has that work ethic. That's the real tool in the toolbox. Now, as far as people not wanting to fail or being afraid to push higher, um, the reason that I think a lot of people do that is because they, one in two people right now, statistically, uh, live basically in survival mode, paycheck to paycheck. They're like, okay, I got to be really careful because I kind of have got enough arranged to where I know where my next meal is coming from and I can sleep inside this month, but I got to do another month of work to make sure I keep this going. And so once you get to where you're not worried about that week to week or, or every you know month or something, you're like, okay, cool. I can breathe a little bit. And a lot of people, that, that's all they need. That's all they need. They're like, okay. I want to sit right here because now I'm a little comfortable. I still have problems, but I'm a little comfortable. And I'm worried that if I go beyond that, it's all going to fall apart. And going back to survival mode, they don't have the self-confidence to say, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. Okay. And that's, that's where some of that comes from. And a lot of that is, is once we get defined by something, it used to be that the first dating question is, what do you do? Because that's how we defined somebody. If you say, well, I'm a house painter, and the next guy in the room says, well, I'm a doctor, that's how we used to define ourselves. Now it's, it's a little different now because we can do so many things. But what, what I tell everybody, when they're, when they're, I guess I get people all the time talking to me. They're like, oh, you know, I'm not sure about this, and I don't know if I really want to keep the store going or I got this agency thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. The only question you need to understand is... It's one blank on a page. If I were to wake up tomorrow and every other day was Groundhog's Day, what would I like to do to to use my gifts to contribute to the world? What would I be excited to do with that? And if you don't know how to do it yet, but you have like that, that star on the horizon, start equipping yourself. That's what your real goal is. If you want to live a life that you're really happy with and really fulfilled with, you say, okay, I'm not going to do things just because... I'm putting everybody else's needs before me and it makes me miserable. I'm good at it, but it's like, ugh. We've all been that. We've all, we've all done those, those jobs. We've had those careers. You get, you're getting paid well, but it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do that. Ugh. Right? But if you can say, hey, 
I kind of really like this. Who has done this and made money doing it so I can wake up and do this and provide for myself? That's the idea. And so wherever you are, if you want to go further, you have to say, okay, I either really like what I'm doing and I want to see how far I can take it. And if you're there, that's a good place to be because if you blow it up, guess what? You're already equipped to say, okay, I'll figure it out. And guess what? If you're entering a place that you've never been before, whether you win or you fail, you're going to have to learn new things to equip yourself, right? And think about, think about the state of the world the last three years. Nothing is certain. You might have had a great career. You might have had a good business. And all of a sudden, the world happens. Yikes. Whoa. I know a lot of people in the e-commerce space and Amazon space who are doing private label and shipping containers all over the world. The pandemic hit. Everybody's done. They're like, I, the shipping, I, I can't. There's nothing I can do. Yep. And you bet everything on it. Now what are you going to do? Well, you got to reinvent yourself. Find something new. And you can do that. Now, for me, I actually learned that and being able to reinvent myself kind of early, early, early. Like I had a horror movie of a childhood. Um, real, real bad. But in coming from from a place where I didn't have a home or parents or a situation where I could rely on for my basic needs, I learned to say, okay, what can I do to move myself forward? And I've overcome all this other stuff. I can figure out what to do over here. Sure. I can find, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll find a way because I can find somebody who's probably done it or done something like it. There's probably a few books written about it. If I have internal problems, if I'm in my head a little bit, there's definitely books and other people willing to help you on that. And my biggest lesson that I've ever learned in life is you're, you're not too flawed and you're not too smart to always need help. Always. Good Lord. That one has cost me way, way too much. I'm like, I, I got it. I'm just going to do it. And then looking back, I'm like, okay, I did it from one perspective. And that's why I only got so far with it. And sometimes even when you succeed, but you know you could have gone further, but you're blocked, that's the nastiest kind of failure. You're like, ah, I didn't get the win that I needed. What is going on? Well, you're limited in the information because you didn't ask your friends. That's the idea. Kind of like the basketball thing again. Can't be a one-person team. Can't do right. it. Yeah, so, the power of relationships is, is something I think a lot of people miss out on. Um, you know, they, I think they get people this. are afraid of the relationships because they're not sure what they can uh, contribute to like get a reciprocal relationship. And a lot of the time, it's just openness. It's saying, hey, I, I can do this part really well. I have no idea on what to do for anything else. Yeah. Okay. And if, you're, if you got something like that, and usually people do, I don't think I've ever met anybody that doesn't have something like that, um, even people with like serious addiction problems and everything else, um, yeah, you can contribute. People are going to need you. That's the craziest thing. And a lot of the time also, when, when we take hard losses, like something just devastating happens. Um, earlier this year, uh, I had signed uh, a great big lease. I have a warehouse. I have all this other stuff. Um, one of my main income streams, I mean, destroyed, completely gone. The income that I've had for like three or four years that I was banking on and signed the lease on and everything else, gone. Outside circumstances, I was like, that's not going to be good. I got to find something new to do pretty quick. And I went through it, man. 
We all, all of us, we all get in our head. We all worry. We all think because we're more wired to, to be sensitive to negative emotion. We're all like, okay, well, if only I'd have done this and only I'd have done that and only this and only that, it'd still work and I'd be just fine. And no, no, no. You're freaking out because you weren't prepared for when the roller coaster comes back down. Because it always does. Always. And so you say, okay, all right. I've been through this before. I know it's going to go back up, but I just have to find the channel. And sometimes it takes a while. I mean, I, I went through a period. I remember I was, there was a former, a former life that I had, we'll just say. Um, and to transition from one thing to the next, I mean, it took me three years of bouncing around before I really found something that I was like, that lights me up. I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. Let's go to work on it. And then, you know, I was fine, but it took me you know, all that time to really, you know, figure out how I fit with it and, and where I could get the things done I needed to get done. And so sometimes it's like that. You, you don't have, you, there's no point in losing faith in yourself because you're not defined by outside circumstances. You have to say, this is who I am. This is what I have. Let me just start with, with one little link in the chain away from that. Let's figure it out. Because as Steve Harvey once said, the celebrity, You've survived 100% of your days so far. You'll figure it out. Yeah, <clears throat> that's it's very true. How much, we talked about relationships, how much do you think relationships plays into that? You know, when you're feeling in that moment, when you're feeling down on yourself, to have people around you to, to support you through that. Oh my and God. Speak some life into you. It's everything. Everything. Um, and I, I had the worst tendency, again, because of my childhood, that whenever something went wrong, I would internalize it. I'd be like, okay, I did something wrong. I was wrong. I am wrong. And it's just this terrible, terrible thing. And then when you do that, it's hard to ask for help. Or even worse, God help me, the worst thing that can happen to you if you don't know how to ask for help is to get successful. That's the worst thing that can ever happen to you because when it comes back down, or when it crashes, or you have to pivot, you got too much pride in yourself to say, wow, I'm a nobody again. Got to figure this out. <laughs> it, it, you'll, you'll delay asking for help. But relationships are everything. If I didn't have the people around me, like, just as someone to talk to, like, I don't even know I'd be here, honestly. I was, I mean, we all go there. We all overreact. We all get emotional. We all think it's the end of the world. And we think, golly, what use am I when that kind of stuff happens? Okay, but you take a breath and you say, okay, this is going to be a mess to clean up, but this is what happened. And when you actually talk to people, you're going to find nobody hates you for it. They're going to say, hey, okay, cool. Now, now we have a very serious money situation, but that's different from me caring about you. And that's the biggest key. Whatever your problems are, whatever your situations are, that's different from somebody caring enough to treat you like a human being and talking to you and saying, okay, if you, if, if you need me to help, you know, put the pieces back together, tell me it. And I think, okay, what if you did this? And what if you did that? And oftentimes I've found not even people in my, my, my like work network, but just people in my regular life, my close people, I'm like this happened and this is how I feel about it. And I want to move forward, but I just, I feel stuck. Okay. Well, you're really good at this. And they don't know anything about like, you know, like I'm a marketer. They don't know anything about it. Like, well, you're really good at this and you really like this. Can you do something with that? I'm like, maybe I'll give that a run. And all, all you need to get out of that pit is 
little wins, little tiny wins. So this is my, my depression proof strategy for those of you taking notes. Um, give yourself one objective for the day. One. Don't, don't give yourself, here's my to-do list. No, 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 no. One. Turn off your phone. Turn off your email. Turn everything off. Say, I just want to try to get one thing done. Even if you don't get it all the way done, the fact that you got something significant that matters to you done, cool. There's a win. Because you took a big loss. And taking a big loss is, is, we just had Halloween here in the U.S. when we're recording this. Taking a big loss is like all of your candy falling out of your trick-or-treat bag on the street. Huge loss. But you know what? If I have some candy at home, I give you a piece of candy the following day. And you get a piece of candy the following day after that and after that. And before you know it, you're not feeling so bad because you're like, okay, okay. Little tiny wins versus the giant loss. Get that going for just a little bit with just one objective. You can do one thing no matter what else is going on. That gets you back on the track of believing in yourself and saying, okay, I'll figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. It may be, I may have to switch careers. I don't know. I'll figure it out, but I'm equipped to handle it. And little tiny wins, a little M&M out of the whole bag. Just take one of those each day, and before you know it, you're pretty good. That's the way to do it. It's true, <clears throat> especially when you consider that you got all that candy by going house to house and picking up one little piece at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, People tend to overlook the fact that it takes time to build this stuff, and just because <sighs> it, it might have shifted dramatically quickly in one way doesn't mean it can't dramatically also shift back uh, mm -hmm. again. Um, I want to rewind back a little bit. Mm -hmm. You said you had a childhood that was uh, a little difficult. Now, <laughs> yeah. as as a parent, like, how does that play into you showing up as a father? You know, the yeah. things that you went through. Um, just take me a little bit through that that process. Um, well, I was the short the short version of what I dealt with. Well, uh, the short version of what I dealt with was. I was abused to the point where I was wearing multiple shirts to school because I was sent to school bleeding sometimes. I was, I was abandoned at 10. I had to take it from my younger brothers. Um, parents split up. Mom had her own problems that were just couldn't rely on her. So I was basically having to do caretaking to keep everything moving. So it was a mess. When I had children, I said, okay, rule number one, I'm a big boy. I'm 6'4", 240. I don't, uh-uh. I, I can get them to do what I need them to do without that. So that was rule number one, right? But th what I learned is, okay, the, we've all heard the saying, they're going to do what you show them, not what you tell them. They're gonna, you're going to follow your example, not what, not what you tell them. So, okay, okay. So all the work that I've done, to make myself better and and get through all of that so it didn't it didn't show up as a pattern to help me or make me self sabotage everything else i made sure that i i used all of that to recognize things they're going through as as they've grown up through different stages and say okay they need this they need that uh, my, 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 my daughter, she's like me with with the the wild creative ADHD brain and so sometimes she has trouble in school and she freaks out because we all do. We're like, oh no, you know, I'm not that good and everybody else is doing better or I'm gonna be in trouble and I didn't wanna tell you. And I said, look, what you're gonna find out in the world is there's not one way to do something. Okay. And so if you're having trouble, 
the smart person would ask for help because nothing in life is like a school test where you have to do it on your own from memory. There's no notes. It's like, it doesn't really work that way. And I said, honey, I want you to think that, well, if everybody is doing Legos from instruction manual A, but you have Lego set B, you just need a different set of instructions to get the same thing done. You're not in trouble. I want to see the work ethic. I want to see you trying. I want to see you asking questions because then we can help you with learning and feeling good about yourself and developing a system for you to recognize your own wins and not be defined by anybody else. And she was like, I wasn't expecting that answer. I was like, but that's what we need to do because it's about you and succeeding. And so every single time we've had something like that, it's like, okay, this is what it is. And my favorite book on parenting for, for, people that have been through things or just you want to have a little bit of a different take. Dr. Gabor, uh, Gabor Mate wrote a book called Hang On To Your Kids because they're, you, they're going to be influenced by somebody and we're hyper-connected now. So you want them to pick up, if you're you know doing a good job, you want them to pick up, hey, my needs are met. I come from a good family. You know, mom and dad sometimes they get upset, but it always is fine. We have good memories. And, and you, so that way they know I don't have to have that anxiety and hide things. That was the biggest thing. I, I, you know, I grew up totally opposite. I mean, if I stood out of line, it, it was real bad. <laughs> it was real bad. Um, and so the, the difference in communication styles is do what I say because I'm me. That's an authoritarian parent. That doesn't, that doesn't teach a lesson other than resentment. And a lot of us that, you know, are late 30s, early 40s, and, and, and older than that, we grew up with that. That's just how parenting was. But if you try to do that in, the, in, in any of your other relationships, that does not work at all. So instead, I've studied a lot of communication that, uh, where I recognize how to communicate from an authoritative standpoint with them. And they say, okay, this is where I am, this is what's good, this is what's bad, whatever, or they don't want to talk, and I figured out ways to pull on them and say, okay, tell me about it. And I don't make them feel bad for feeling how they feel, because then they'll talk, and I can help them unravel their problems. And then, once we get through the problem, I can say, hey, the dad lesson in this is this, this, this. I need you to, when, when you see this, I want something to go off in your mind to say, okay, wait, we've handled something like this before, this is how we did it. And that's going to help you to handle it yourself and not be so worried next time. And every single time, I mean, we've been doing it for 15 years. It's always been like that. Even, even their mom, when, when something's, you know, she's like, I just, I'm, I don't, I need to say this, but I'm worried that, you know, the little one's going to overreact or, you know, that's your son. You got to go have the man talk with him. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, what do we do here? What's the play? And her and I have always been unbelievable for communication. Always, always like, okay, this is the situation. This can be a mom thing. This can be a dad thing. But if it comes across as a conversation, um, as opposed to a totalitarian hierarchy, you can build relationships. Because realistically, we're not trying to have good kids. We're trying to make good adults. Because they're going to be adults a lot longer than they are kids. And if they're learning from our examples, we have to be good adults. If you ask either one of my kids, they'll tell you, my dad, just like you said in the beginning of the video, he does not stop. Mm -mm. Anybody that's ever known me, like in, in, in person and whatnot, they're like, 
when he decides he's going to do something, that's, that's the end of it. He's going to figure it out to the end of it because it can't not. It's just how the wiring works. But in doing that, I've said, okay, here's what work ethic brings you. When my business has failed, I said, okay, this is what happened. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going to do about it. So in life, when things come your way, remember what dad did here so that you can see and you can emulate that. Um, I read a lot of philosophy. I do a lot of journaling with that. Um, and sometimes I use some of those lessons and talk to the kids because I know it relates to something that's in recent memory or they have a strong emotion about. And when we experience something as an event, if there's, a, if there's an emotion tied to it, that's what gets stored in long-term memory. So I'm like, okay, I don't want that to be like this thing that pushes you down from being the best version of yourself or makes you afraid. And both of them have gotten really good. They're 12 and 15 now about really being their own person. And if somebody doesn't like them, they go, okay, going to do me. No problem. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Because so many, so many people in general just do not have that. They're worried about adjusting themselves for the sake of everybody else because they're afraid that if somebody views them in that much of a negative way, they're going to be all alone. And we, we, we hyper-react like that. So using the things that I've been through and continually pushing and continually pushing, that's kind of how I'm, I'm showing up for them and making sure that, I guess, the communication that I didn't get and, and just said, I'm just going to forgive all those people and not worry about it because I, I figured out later in life what I was missing with you know all the work that I did. I was like, okay. This is, this is kind of most of the ingredients, there's some variants of course, that you're going to need and kind of how I go about it to produce an adult that can, can find their spot and feel good about it. So that's, that's kind of how, how it's been. And I mean, you and I have followed each other for years and you know I share a lot of stuff online that's, that's like deeper parts of, of my journal or writing or lessons I've learned because a lot of people are in a lot of pain because nobody ever took the time to talk to them and tell them how to get through those same tough spots. I mean, it's like, okay. Every, like I said, especially in the marketing world, everybody wants to share their highlights. I'm like, no, not everything's a highlight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, much of the content that I put out and, and really engage with people is about that same thing. It's, it's, hey, these are things that people are feeling that no one else is talking about. Right. And I understand why, because it's not popular. Um, it's not doesn't get the likes and the comments because most people are afraid to do it because they're afraid to face it. Right. But the truth is, everyone struggles with this stuff. Everybody struggles, right? It's it's the real world. Everyone's got things that come up that uh, either they're uncomfortable with or maybe they just don't love or they need help with. But when we ignore that part of the conversation, we leave those people to feel like, no, it's just you. You're the only person that suffers that. And then it, it creates this very negative, uh, just downward spiral. Yep. Right. And, it, and I think it takes people to stand up and say, hey, failure is a good thing. What you're struggling with is not unique to you. Like we've all been through financial uh, relationship, um, health, like all these different struggles have happened and it's not unique to you. Right. But yep. unless people stand up and say those things and say, hey, it's possible to deal with that. And still come out better in version two, right? Right. That's when you start to build up that faith muscle. That like, all right, cool. When you when you reach a point of failure, it's almost exciting at this point because you know 
is an opportunity to begin again better, and the next version will be better. Right. I can think of every example in my life that I've failed at something, sometimes even catastrophically, version two has been better every mm-hmm. single time. So you start to get to a point where you get into that valley, right, where you're, where you're sitting in that struggle, and you're excited by it because the growth happens in the valley. Yeah. Right? The growth doesn't always happen in the mountaintops. The mountaintops is what happens after you grow. Mm-hmm. The growth happens in the valley. So every time you find yourself in a valley, it's an opportunity to begin again better. Mm-hmm. So you start to look at failure as an opportunity to grow. And I think that's such a huge part and being able to show that to your kids, mm-hmm. right? And that vulnerability to your kids to say, hey, dad goofed up, right? right. It's not, um, you know, I'm perfect. Listen to what I say because I'm your dad. Yeah. But, you know, watch what I do. And at a certain point, you're going to just listen to what I say because you know what I say and what I do are congruent, mm-hmm. right? That gets to a point where you can still achieve the do what I say, because they already know you're going to carry it out. Or you've right. built up their reputation. Um, I just, man, I, I'll congratulate you for that relentless. Yeah. Uh, well, there, there's two other little parts of that too. There's two other little parts. We all, when, especially with you and I, because because I, you know, I watch your content all the time, and you do the same stuff I do. But being able to say when when a situation comes up, I don't know. Teaching your kids to say I don't know. Let's go find out together. That's huge because. A lot of a lot of kids, when they don't know something, they automatically jump right to, well, I thought people knew this and it's kind of obvious. And if I don't know it, I'm kind of embarrassed by it. So by by voicing, uh, 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 you know, adulation or or, you know, whatever that. OK, you said, look, I don't know how to do this or I'm I'm kind of I'm not OK. I'm not feeling great. This is what's bothering me. Those usually get the biggest reward from dad over here because those are the strongest moments. And that's the real muscle that we want to develop. And that's what translates into being an adult like you and I and saying, okay, failed. Or we're in the valley and it's like, maybe I don't know the way forward. Yeah, but if you can help everybody else find an answer, you can find an answer for yourself. You'll be fine. Or ask someone else. And that's another thing is the, the power of the relationships. I, Jim, I can't tell you. I can't even count the times anymore where I knew I was stuck, but I knew I was an overthinker and I was just way too close to the canvas to see what I was supposed to be doing with the paintbrush. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll call up a friend or I'll message somebody. I've, I've even paid for calls with some of the people I respect. And I said, look, this is what's going on. These are my pieces. But I'm in, you know, a thousand miles an hour in 10 directions mode trying to connect it all. I need someone outside to say, oh, just just connect these few pieces right here. You're good to go. It, it's worked every single time. So this is also why I recommend people write a lot um, and in everything. And, and not just not just like oh, I'm taking notes on something. No, everything. Always write something out. And the reason is this. Even if you think you got it. If you're carrying something up, up top in your mind, you have all these pieces, it's like you're carrying it close to you. You can't arrange it while you're holding on to it. It's different. It's totally different. I, I can't think of how I'm going to arrange the groceries if I got five bags on each arm coming out of the back of the wife's car saying, where's this all go on the shelf? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm you know, worried about juggling all this stuff. But once I get it on the counters and I get it in the kitchen and everything out of the bags, I'm like, oh, okay, here's how this goes. Every single time you do that, life gets better. 
If it's a relationship that you're having a hiccup with, if it's a business, if it's, if it's something that you're excited about, you're like, oh, okay, I got the opportunity, I got invited to speak at this place, or I get to work with this client, or this or that, you go, okay, okay, I can feel the lightning up there, take a day, come back to it, because you got a fresh set of eyes without all that adrenaline going through you, and you go, oh, I should do this, this, and this with it. There's three out of those 25 pieces, and that's all I really need to do this, do that, cool, there's, there's my way out of the valley. And so... Again, ask for help. <laughs> it's the best thing ever, it, it, especially when, when you're stuck. Getting it outside of yourself, having those outside eyes on your problems, man, so much better. So yeah. much better. And just being able to really simplify the problem too because to go back to your example, if you take one of those bags of groceries and just try and put the whole thing back in the pantry. Oh, my gosh. That's a mess. You've got eggs in there. You've got meat in there. That, that's going to rot in the pantry. You need to be able to take each piece out individually and put each piece away one by one, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming to have five bags of groceries in your hands. Right. But you lay it out. You do it one freaking piece at a time. And like you know, that's, 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 a great, that's a great picture there, Jim. I, I, I love that picture. Um, when it comes to failure and overcoming your emotions with failure, I would say if you write down exactly how you feel, it's going to help you better connect the pieces and put them back together, put Humpty Dumpty back together after you fell off the wall. That's a, yeah. that, man, that was, I was awesome. That I'm going to use that for, for quite a few things later on. I promise. <laughs> hey, it was, uh, it was your idea really. Um, so you're welcome, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you're right. And I think too often, like we get stuck just feeling like a failure and don't stop to think why, what is it that's making me feel that way? Or, or what are the things that I can identify? And then you pick them apart one by one. And right. either you find ways to change your perspective on it or find ways to mitigate it to not let it be an issue anymore. Yeah. But we just, we look at the whole thing. I'm a failure. No, something didn't work. Like look at the things that did, look at things that didn't and find ways around each one individually. But you just got to be able to break it apart and have those relationships to really support you through that. Yeah. How does that work for you? Like we've talked about the professional side. We've talked mm -hmm. about the dad side. Where's the husband side of this fit in? Which part? Because my, <laughs> my wife is unbelievable. And she's, she has put up with me and through some just ugly spots, ugly, ugly spots. But from the communication side of it, that's, that's really what it is. Um, the, the worst thing you can do when you're in that kind of relationship um, is, is, number one, don't get involved with somebody if you're not being your real self. Let them see your uglies. And my wife, she knew. She knew when you know, after we got to know each other just a little bit, because um, we knew we knew each other for a few months before we started really dating and all of that kind of thing, many many years ago. Um, it was, hey, this is what I really have going on. This is this is kind of how I work, and it's not let me adjust who I am to accommodate making that connection. It's this is what I got. No matter how much I want to move the pieces around and be nice or accommodating and adjust things me is going to come back out. And I told her from the beginning, I was like, I'm going to get involved in projects. I'm going to get to doing something. I'm going to throw money at something. I'm going to try something. And it might turn out to be a mess. And we've had a lot of those. A lot of those. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's one of those things that, you know, you blew it up hard. And my wife, she'll, we've been through those spots where she's like, you're on a tear right now, but you're kind of, you know, 
you're pushing real hard and it's kind of making you like I don't know which thing you're working on right now. It's a little unpredictable, so I'm gonna kind of back up and she withdraws a little bit, and I go, ooh, okay, okay, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. That's always been my signal to say, okay, she sees something I don't, because that outside observer thing. I'm too close to the machine. I, I'm carrying this silly thing around and it does things. She's able to say, hey, hey, you're on this thing, but you're talking about doing this with it. Has it crossed your mind that it's likely it's going to do this other thing over here and explode on you? It's not going to end well. You're getting sucked in, you're getting excited, and you know, you get the blinders on sometimes when you're excited, but it's, I don't see that ending well for you because this is the bigger picture of what you really want. And I'm like, okay, okay, you're right. That saved us more than once where she's like, okay, I know that you're a crazy person and you're going to push and you're going to push and you're going to push. I signed up for that. Okay, I'll deal with that stress. But if I see something you don't, I need you to trust me. Okay. And so what we've gotten to is a lot of people treat their their personal relationships not like a business, which I think is a mistake. Because if we have a business and we have teams, the team in a business has a goal. We want to do this. This is kind of what we're about. Okay, this is kind of how we want to do it. We have systems. We have you know, ways of communicating should things come up. We have regular meetings and talks and communication. And a lot of people, especially long-term relationships, you've been married over 10 years or 13 years or 15 years or whatever, oftentimes we get so comfortable with the other person's company that the orderliness of building a life together, which is a real goal if you're married, gets, gets lost in the shuffle of being dad, being mom, kids in sports, kids in school. I got a business I got to run. I got more than one business to one. I got another team I got to deal with. You got your own crap over there. It's like, oh my God, right? We have regular meetings. Every Sunday, it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing this week. This is the accounting for this week. This is the accounting for last week. What are we doing? Here's what the kids are doing. So now we know what's up. Where if something comes up, I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about this. This is this new thing I think I'm going to do something with. Okay, that's, not, that's, on, that's on her little, her little note card in her branches. Okay, so when I hear about this again, I'm going to kind of, you know, connect some of the pieces. And oftentimes, three or four weeks will go by and I'll get into something. And maybe I've even invested in something already. And she's like, sweetheart, you got to let go because it's doing this. This is now not getting done over here or this is sliding. Are we adjusting the overall goal that we have here with what we're trying to do right now? Or, you know, what's up? And realistically... What is the main single ingredient, the only box you need to make sure you tick for any relationship to continue to go well is communication. And so we made it like a business. Say, hey, these are our goals. This, this is the life we want to live together. This is how we want to wake up and enjoy each other and go through life and you know, do cool stuff and make memories. Okay, here's our multiple roles and all the other stuff we have to do. Mom, dad, business partners, you know, tutoring, your school, driving kids around, all this crazy stuff. Okay. Okay, those are our variables. These are our roles. Here's where we're getting that done. Here's where I need help. Here's where we may have to call other parents and say, can you do this with the kid? And Because I got to be over here. And Great, because now you're planning and communicating. When you're dealing with someone who pushes really hard, make sure that who, if you're not in a relationship yet, let them know. This is, I can't help it. A fish can't not be in water. I can't help it. 
Okay. Not all of us are like that. I knew it. I knew I was crazy from the beginning. <laughs> right? I said, this is just what's going to happen. Um, and she signed up for it. And we went through me trying to just manage it on my own. But oftentimes, if you're a hard charger, you'll get going so much that you're so focused, you're missing other things that are slipping. And if you don't communicate, you don't, and that's going to create big problems with your partner. So I let her say, hey, this is what's up. Because if she's my wife, of all the people I should trust, yeah. And, and I found that, that that really, really, really helps when something nasty happens. Like earlier this year, like, like I told you, when, when I had a, a, a giant income stream just out of nowhere. I, dude, I was, oh my God. She had to call me because I spent three days in this warehouse locked up. I was just, I was so upset. I was not leaving. So I was like, I don't know what to do. I got to figure this out. And I was freaking out, right? Because basically you watch the house, you watch the house burn down. It's not like it just goes boom and it's over. I was like, oh no, it's on fire. Oh God, it's on fire. It's not recoverable. And now it's done smoking. Oh no. Right? Okay. Because we communicated so much, she was the one to be able to say, okay, you're you. If you've started all these other things over the years and you know, you've had your wins and losses, treat whatever's coming just as another thing. It's just another project. Okay. But now you have time to deal with it. So go deal with it. Throw yourself into it because you're not going to be happy unless you're at that speed being able to throw yourself into something new. So again, going back to earlier in our conversation, how is that the best thing that's ever happened to me? Like I turned 40 last year. I turned 41 in a couple of weeks. This was the most difficult and best year I've ever had because it taught me so much. It was, it was, it was some of the most difficult things, personal life, dad life, business life, and not just around money stuff. There were other things, but it was just like, okay, everything happened all at once. And I found out things about myself and how I was handling very high stress situations um, that weren't healthy. And I was like, okay, I can change that. And when I started doing that work, all of a sudden, uh, where there used to be walls, now there were doors I could walk through. I was like, okay, now I can go do this. And, you know, if I didn't go through that, I'm like, okay. If you can't go through that, you can't lead people to war. You can't, you can't do big, big, big things. And okay. If when you get, when you get to a point where you're like, I think I know a few things. I'm pretty good at what I do. I really like doing what I do. The only thing left is how many people can I help with this? Okay. And sometimes the room just isn't big enough for you. You got to invent your own room. My wife and I have had that talk too. And one of the talks, one of my, my favorite talks we've ever had, she's like, how big is big enough to where you're not upset and crazy every day? I'm like, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> because there's no such thing as balance. Like personal life, business life, dad life, there's no such thing as balance. Because balance implies equal. Everything gets equal. No, there's harmony. And some days, you know, you, you got to do a lot more dad stuff or a lot more honeydew stuff than you get to do business. Okay, cool. But communication makes all of that work. Like we've talked about, you know, um, professionally with the network, being dad, how I communicate with my kids, uh, the relationship that I have, the more we communicate, the more both of us get to develop because in communicating and externalizing our thoughts, that's how we get feedback and that's how everybody grows. So uh, this is another good lesson, um, just like if you're a husband or a father, and you're, 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 you're trying to lead your family, if you're a, a, a voice in your space, even if you're not big, 
even if you're not like, you know, a world renowned, somebody, somebody in your space, what you need to do is communicate because the more you can externalize things, the more feedback you can generate, the more ideas come out, the more opportunities come out. So learning to communicate like that and, and navigate all those relationships has been the key to everything. Does that help? Yeah, <clears throat> it certainly does. And I think uh, the communication part is so critical for that relationship because a lot of times the default when someone gets that feedback of spouse or partner telling you something's not going to work or there's a problem, the default is anger. You don't support me. You're just trying to criticize me, <clears throat> you know, and looking at it from that perspective. But I think when you intentionally build that communication and like put the guardrails in place to understand you're both on the same team, right? Right. And you have those meetings, which don't need to be cold, right? A lot of people think treating a relationship like a business and having regular meetings and updates and agendas and stuff feels cold, but no one said business needs to be cold. You can put heart into your business too, mm -hmm. right? So it's just about communication and making sure you guys are on the same page and going in the same place, right? You're casting vision for your business and your family one and the same. Right. And if you view treating your relationship like a business as cold, here's a switch. This is the only thing you need to think about to make it warm. And this is any relationship, professionally, personally, you know, as a parent. Um, how much does communication kill anxiety? Because now nobody's in their head wondering about the unknown or how someone's going to react. Okay, I had the reaction. Sometimes it's a big reaction. I've been yelled at. I've had things thrown at me. Um, I've, I've had to uh, uh, sleep elsewhere a few nights. <laughs> I've, I've messed up like that before. If you've been married long enough, you probably have to. Um, but when I come up with an idea, my wife's in the same thing. She's like, hey, I don't like that thing. Why the hell would you do that? That doesn't make sense at all. I'm like, okay, why would you say that? Is it how I, I put something across? Is it how I communicate? Because I'm really high on this idea. Well, think about it like this. What's first lesson of sales? You got to get enough no's to get a yes. Okay, what's a no? A no is I don't have enough information to say yes. Okay, so oftentimes, how are we communicating when someone rejects us? Think about that. They're only saying no to the information that they have. So if I come into my wife and I say, hey, uh, I did really, really good. I want to do something nice for myself. I want to get this car. She's going to be like, you need to get your head checked. No. And here's why. Be like, okay, okay. And I'm like, but you don't know what I've been through and I deserve something and rah, rah. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. But if you communicate regularly, you can voice all that. You say, look, I've been sacrificing. I've been working. I made this work. I made that work. Here's why we're okay. Here's why I think this should be a thing. Well, that's a whole lot different than I kicked ass, I want a new car. Now she has a different set of something to say yes to. Or maybe no again, but for different reasons. And it's just feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. That's all it is. That's all you have to do. Same thing with your kids. That's why I said earlier, if you take it to where, hey, if I get you talking and I can validate how you feel but then help you work through it, it makes it to where that's your habit. So whenever you have problems in life, if I can't talk to mom or dad, I can find somebody to talk to. I can find people around me. I can solve my own problems. Most people, and I can't say most people, but a lot of people don't have that equipment walking around as adults. Right. And that's when we internalize things. We make bad decisions. We think negatively of ourselves. And we become our biggest roadblock. And that's terrible. 
the isolation and whatnot. And that's why I've always that's why I kept saying everything's been around communication. Because well that you know, if you talk about it, you usually find a solution. Even if something you know, even if a relationship has to end, okay. But you're not sitting on it. You're not living in worry. But what you'll also find is most of the time, if you talk, it's not that big a deal. And or if you wrong somebody, most people are pretty quick to forgive. It's not that bad. Now, I've I've made some big mistakes with people before, and I'm like, look, this is what happened. I I thought it was going to go like this. It, it went like this. I, I'm so sorry, but I didn't want you to have to chase me down about it. I was proactive about it, and they're like, okay, well, that that really sucks. And I caught an earful about it, but then at the end of the conversation, it wasn't, you know, F you. It was, so what are we going to do about it now? There's still we? Okay. That's a totally different outcome. Most people, you know, they think 20 steps negative, you know, well beyond that. Just talk. And if, if you think I'm treating it too much like a business, yeah, but how much are you helping the other people in your life that have other things they have to do know where they stand with you, know what the pieces are and not have to worry? Or if even something tough is coming up that we all have to deal with, you say, okay, now I know it's not a random house fire. We can prepare. We can say, okay, it's it's going to suck, but this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Okay. And the more you exercise that muscle, especially with the people that are comfortable to you, the easier it is in your professional life to say, I'm going to become something new because I just don't like what I'm doing anymore. Okay. Or this is how far it is, but there's some bigger boys. And I kind of want to be part of that room. I want to see what that's like. I want to see how far I can take this. What do I need to do? Oh, I got to do that kind of work. That's going to take me like three years of development to, to even qualify to be in that group. Okay, cool. Now go do it because it's worth it because you're learning what you can do in the face of a challenge. And when you communicate and you practice that muscle, you know, okay, if something comes up, I'm going to talk about it. I have people around me. We're going to figure it out or I'll find people. We're going to figure it out. But what that means is no matter what, you're still going to find ways to go forward out of that valley like you talked about, Jim. Yeah, that's it's all good points. All good. Yeah, it's it's honestly just it's so critically important for people to just keep it freaking simple. Yeah. Like when you look at treating it like a business versus not, I think instead of making a business this uh, this cold and transactional thing, yeah. which I think is the, the default mentality. Right, it's just transactional. Mm -hmm. How about you change your definition for what a business is? A business is supposed to be about providing value to somebody more than the dollar amount they're gonna give you, right? Mm -hmm. That's what a business is. And if you think providing value to other people in your relationships, in your personal life, is a bad thing, then you know that's a whole different conversation we gotta have. But right. business should not be cold, right? Yeah. It should just be about providing value to other people. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I, look, I agree 100%. And again, two questions for you. Hold on before you go. And again, yeah, go, go the value thing, one of the most valuable things you can do in your personal life for your partner, especially if you're a crazy person like Jim and I, and you just have these gigantic aspirations and always have new projects because you and I both probably have a list of 30 or 40 things we would love to do because it's really cool and we see the opportunity, but we're never going to get to them because there's just, there's no time. If you can kill anxiety in your partner, that's the most valuable thing you can do for them. Especially if you're an overachiever, like I said, because they know once you get going, rewards and consequences escalate pretty quick. No anxiety. 
That's that's been my wife's biggest thing. She's like, I I know you're really excited about this, but I still got anxiety about it. I'm like, okay, that's the most valuable thing I could probably provide anybody. Same thing with the kids. Okay. Same thing with your customers. How how how, how warm is it in business that instead of just here's your shipping email, you get that follow up email. You get the follow up little phone call. Say hey. We, we, were, we were low on stock, but we wanted to make sure we got this to you. Um, did it arrive okay? You know, we saw the delivery thing. Everything cool with it? Being proactive like that? Oh, my gosh. You'll 100% go back to that business for your next need because there's someone behind it that you can connect to. And in our increasingly isolated world, it makes all the difference. So yeah. just a little closing thought on, the, on, on that little point there. So what were the questions you had for me? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, just to, to hammer that point home, I say all the time, people have a need for four things to feel loved, seen, heard, and appreciated. Oh, I and that love doesn't that. just love exist. That. Yeah. Loved, seen, heard, and appreciated. Those four oh, things man. that exist in personal and in business. So yeah. um, you're welcome to steal that one too. I'm going to steal the hell out of that one. <laughs> oh, right. What do you say? Love, seen, heard, and what? Appreciated. Got it. Keep going. All right. So now that we've, uh, <clears throat> now that we've given you some content to work with, <laughs> my last two questions for you is this number one you've got one bit of advice to give to someone to give them a, a more wholly successful day today some some bit of advice that's going to give them a more sense of just fullness and, and satisfaction and success what might that look like oh oh that's such a good question oh um it's a two-part answer but it's, it's short um the first part is Everything is temporary, both your successes and your failures and your pain and your depression and your desperation and your elation when you win big. It's all temporary. Celebrate. Look at the failures. Like Jim said in the valley, I'll find a new way to celebrate. The second part of that is there's nobody at the front of the line. Nobody at the front of the line. If you want to go do something, there's nobody holding you back but yourself. No, nobody says, well, you have to do this, this, this before you can do this big thing. No, just go do it. There's not one path to the front of the line. If you want to be the best at something or if you want to see how far you can take something, choose something that you you can't put down and let that be the hammer and chisel that you take to yourself to discover the new you and how far you can go. And write down your wins. We're big on negative emotion. We feel that. We think it sticks to us. But if you write down your wins, you can say, wait a minute. This is good, and this is good, and this is good. I'll keep going. Nobody at the front of the line. Not not ever, right? I love that. So there you go. Yeah, I love that one. Paints a, paints a really good picture of possibility. Yep. Final question for you, sir. What is your favorite flavor or type of cake? I don't like cake at all. All right, well, that's been Stephen Black, everybody. Well, I, t I take it back. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Like traditional, traditional like buttercream cakes. And stuff, I don't like, I don't like cakes. But cheesecake. All right, now we're talking. Cheesecake will work. Are we talking like toppings on cheesecake, or are we just going straight up old school? I don't got, even like, need strawberries it. on there. What do we don't got? even need it. Don't even nothing need it. straight up. I could just go straight cheesecake. There's this hysterical. Uh, uh, it's 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 so good. It's not fair. There's this Italian restaurant uh, here in Nashville. Been around for forever. Very well known. Um, and they make this cheesecake that is just, I mean, the slice is as thick as my head, but they make it from like scratch. Like it's, it's like the owner's recipe kind of thing. And, and they sell out of it every single day. And it's like $12 a slice, but it's unbelievable. 
And so once a year on my birthday, I, I, I go there and I get my single slice and that's enough, but oh my gosh, you don't need anything on something like that. When it's, when it's made properly, that's fine. The other stuff though, regular birthday cakes can't do it. All right. Well, cheesecake for your birthday. Come up in a few weeks, you said, right? <laughs> yeah, coming up in a few weeks, bud. All right. Well, we'll make sure we celebrate that. I appreciate that. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I, I really do appreciate your, your vulnerability and everything you've shared with us here. I have gotten a tremendous amount of value out of this, so I have full confidence uh, everyone here listening has as well. Um, people want to get uh, further in touch with you. Kind of where, where might they do that? The easiest way is Facebook. Easiest way is Facebook. Um, just look up... Um, either my my facebook page ask stephen black that's me uh or you can go to my facebook group it's called socials and scaling where i talk about you know psychology and content production and all of that kind of fun stuff if that's your deal so love it but there you go appreciate it thank you sir thank you sir a lot of fun